The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Brother Matt. Appreciate that. I invite you to take your Bibles with me this morning to John chapter number 11, please. John chapter number 11. And here on Sunday mornings, we've been studying a a series entitled I Am. And what it is, is we've been studying these I Am statements made by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, found uh, specifically here in the Gospel of John. Our first week, we looked at how Jesus said that He is the bread of life. And then week number two, we saw how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then, of course, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And then last week, we looked at the fact that he said, I am the good shepherd. Now, this morning, I want to invite you to look at John 11 and pick up in verse number 17. And we'll read the following 10 verses. And uh, our text, as we read today, likely will be familiar to some, a little less familiar to others. But nevertheless, uh, the statements that are found here, specifically the I am statement that Jesus makes here, is a very vital one, a very important one. And so notice with me in John chapter 11 and verse number 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Joseph, I'm sorry, Jesus was coming, uh, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And notice her response, verse number 27. She she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Our Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. And we do thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word. We thank you for the fact that you've given us your word to know more about you, to, to learn uh, your will for our lives, to learn that, that you did die for us, that you are the resurrection and the life. And Lord, I ask now that you give me the word to speak as I deliver your word today, that you'd help me to say only what you'd have me to say and nothing less, nothing more. Lord, I ask that you would be glorified and praised and magnified in all that is accomplished and said here today, and that your will would be done. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, as I mentioned, the text before us might be familiar with some. To others, it might not be as familiar. But nevertheless, we'll, we'll discuss it and make sure to fill in the gaps as we go along. But there is one thing that is for sure today, that the text that lies before us, these verses that we've read, it deals with a very difficult moment in the lives of those who were very close to Jesus himself. Uh, as the Lord ministered in the areas surrounding Jerusalem, He often visited this city or this area of Bethany. In Bethany was a a house that he would uh, would gather at often. This house was the house of Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Uh, These three had developed a close and truly an enduring relationship with Jesus through their interactions with him and with their time with him. 
But I will say this this morning as well. Although Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very close uh, and loved by Jesus even, their lives were not free from heartache and despair. So I, I just want to go on record and first and foremost say this, that we must realize that being a follower of Jesus, a believer in Christ, one of His children, does not mean that we get a free ride through life to where we won't experience any pain. Here, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus literally were probably the closest individuals to Jesus outside of the 12 apostles that He chose. The only reason that the 12 were closer to Jesus than they were was because they spent every day with Jesus. But Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were very beloved by their Lord and Savior, but yet they still found their hearts breaking and aching and in despair as we read in the Scripture before us today. In fact, they were, they, they, they were not free of heartache or despair, not only because we see how they, they cared and worried and were heartbroken over what had taken place, but think of Lazarus himself. He's laying in a grave dead at this moment, as we're reading in this portion of Scripture as well. Now, if there's anything that's, that one could face that would be a bummer, I'd have to say it'd be death. And this is what he's experienced. He's experienced death. But it was through the death of a dear friend that Jesus would perform one of his greatest miracles. And while performing this great miracle, he would be teaching an eternal truth in the midst of a season of pain for this family. See, as we examine the passage before us this morning, we will discover that the Lord is working in a miraculous way to meet an immediate need. But my friends, more than that, we also realize the great lesson revealed in the fact that he is not just able to meet immediate needs, but he's able to meet eternal needs as well. Jesus said, I am. I want to draw your attention back to the book of Exodus again, where we consider Moses at the burning bush. Each week we've discussed it or, or brought it up. But as Moses is at the burning bush, the Lord is telling Moses, it's time for you to go and go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Well, Moses had some excuses as why he couldn't do that and shouldn't do that. One was the fact that he said, hey, I, I don't speak well. I stutter. I'm not eloquent of speech. And God, he encouraged Moses when he said to Moses, tell him that the I am has sent you. Because what God was saying was, Moses, I am going to be the provider of your speech. As Moses said, well, why should anybody listen to me as I go and, and say, let my people go? I have no authority. When God said unto him, Moses, tell him the I am has sent you. He was saying, I am the authority in which you have to speak and say, let my people go. And here we come to John's gospel in the New Testament. And Jesus is stating some of these same, the same statement in, in a different way, necess yes, necessarily, but in a, in a, he's saying the same thing, I am. And he's telling us today that he is everything that we could ever need, both here and now and for all of eternity. See, Jesus has the ability to provide for our immediate needs but he also has the ability to secure our eternal destiny. Of these I am statements that we've studied thus far and the ones still to come, 
this one by far may be the greatest because of the fact that he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. As we consider this, this text before us this morning, I want you to notice with me, number one, out of verses 17 through 20, number one, the ruin that had been experienced. And as we read in verses 17 through 20, we, these opening verses of our text reveal the devastation that Mary and Martha had experienced, the despair that they were feeling. And notice again in verse number 17, and when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And for the sake of those who might not be as familiar with the, uh, the story here before us, let's set some context here this morning. Verse number 17 tells us that Jesus came and found he was laying four days in the grave, that he is this man named Lazarus, this one that we had been speaking about, who was the brother of, a, of these women named Mary and Martha. Now, the scripture tells us in the verses prior to the ones we've just read that uh, Jesus received this word as he had spent some time near the Jordan River, which was uh, away from the city of Bethany. It, he wasn't near them at this time, and the, the story or the news of Lazarus' death was brought to him. And having, re having received this news and knowing that Mary and Martha and Lazarus were so close and so beloved by this Jesus, we would, one would think probably that, well, as soon as Jesus got word that Lazarus was dying, uh, that he would probably drop everything he was doing and run as quickly as he possibly could. And in fact, being God, he might have just teleported from one place to the next so he could get there as quickly as he possibly could. But interestingly enough, the Bible tells us that Jesus did not drop what he was doing. He actually waited an extra two days. And as you read through the scripture, uh, you, you, we, it seems as if that when Jesus received the news of Lazarus being near death, that he probably also died the very same day that Jesus received the word. And so the fact that he delayed wasn't one of these things where Jesus just happened to walk up and he had just taken his last breath. No, in fact, the Bible tells us that when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, that Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days already. Interesting. After these two days have passed, though, of Jesus first receiving the word that Lazarus was nigh unto death, he tells his disciples, all right, it's time for us to prepare to go towards the, the, uh, the house and return unto Judea into Bethany. But notice, go back to verse number 14. Jesus receives the word that Lazarus was about to die. As we read through the scripture, it seems as Lazarus died that same day. And now two days later, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, it's time for us to go and make our way back there. But before he even leaves the banks of the Jordan River to go back towards Bethany, he already declares this word about Lazarus. Look at verse number 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. It doesn't get any more straightforward than that. He just lays the jelly on the bottom shelf, as they say. Puts it straight as could be, Lazarus is dead. While the situation was very desperate for Mary and Martha, it was definitely desperate for Lazarus. He's dead. Jesus had purposely waited to return. 
After it seemed that all hope was lost, Jesus then finally started towards Bethany to deal with the, deal with the situation. Question, my friends, has there ever been a time in your life where it seems like the situation had passed the point of no return? Has there ever been a time in your life where you assumed that maybe the situation would just simply never improve? When I was in college, um, that time came at the end of my freshman year. Freshman year finished, victories had been won, passed all my classes, and then it dawned on me. I still have three more years of this. <laughs> this is a long time. It's like the kid who goes to kindergarten on the very first day. Has, he's scared about it. He's not sure about it. Parents are crying, but trying to hold it back so they don't keep, get the kid scared. And they say, honey, you're going to do great. He said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to know anybody. I'm not going to make any friends. And it's okay, honey, you're going to do great. And they leave the child there at kindergarten. They come back and pick him up afterwards. The child comes running out with a smile from one ear to the other, beaming. I did it. I did it. I finished kindergarten. <laughs> no, that was just day one. There's still a lot left to go. After year one of Bible college, I'm like, I did it, I did it. There's three more years left. There was times when I was doing my master's work online where I was like, is this ever going to end? Is there ever a light at the end of the tunnel? Now, I understand in the grand scheme of things, some of those illustrations there are just kind of frivolous in the grand scheme of life. But maybe we've been there. Maybe we felt like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And we assumed that our situation could never improve. We might have even thought at times that the Lord had just chosen not to hear our prayers, not to do anything for us. But my friends, as we will soon find out, Jesus is never late. As, as we consider our life, as we consider the thought of the fact that, hey man, I'm experiencing a really difficult, tough time, and I've prayed, and nothing seems to have changed. And we say, think to ourselves, God just isn't going to answer. God has just forgotten me. God has not heard me. No, my friends, remember this, that Jesus is never late. He's always on time. He's always on time. I, even after four days following a situation that was as extreme as death itself, Jesus was not late. He was right on time. As we consider the ruin that had been experienced, consider their concern. In verse number 19, Mary and Martha are, are despondent. They're in despair. They're heartbroken over this heart-wrenching situation that had just taken place, the loss of their own brother. And verse number 19 says, And many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha to comfort them concerning their brother. The Bible tells us some information just before that, that, uh, that uh, uh, um, Jerusalem was just about uh, 15 furlongs uh, from Bethany. So there's, what is being said here is that there are acquaintances, there's friends, there's loved ones, maybe business partners, I don't know. But there's a great group of people that had come from all about to come and share their concern and comfort uh, for the family here as they're experiencing this tragic loss. You realize this morning that as we read that these many of the Jews came to Mary and Martha, that the many of the Jews that came could not do anything to bring Lazarus back. 
They came. They offered condolences. They offered comfort to the family. But understand, they couldn't bring Lazarus back from the dead. They couldn't make him alive again. All they could do was try to offer some comfort. We've all been in situations where we were in great despair. And we probably all have had loved ones or ones we care about that face those same times as well. We, we clearly understand that there is nothing we can do to necessarily all, there's not necessarily anything we can do to fix or to right the situation that is bringing such despair into this person's life. But there is one thing we can do, and that is be there to be a source of comfort. Sometimes, not even having to say a word, but just being a shoulder to cry upon. To say, I've been there, or even though I haven't been there, I'm here for you. See what I'm saying? And sometimes the greatest thing, one of the greatest acts of kindness that we could ever offer is simply being present when others are experiencing a horrible situation. I'm sure you would want that when you're experiencing that time. So let us just share and bear, as Scripture says, one another's burdens. We see their concern. But notice the confusion in verse number 20 also. As we consider the ruin that is experienced here, it seems like all hope is lost. Notice this confusing detail that emerges in verse number 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. So here's, the, here's how it breaks down. Uh, Mary and Martha had lost their brother Lazarus. He had died. Four days he had been buried in the grave. They had called out for Jesus to come earlier. He had delayed. He had not come. Lazarus took his last breath, so they prepared him, put him in the grave, and he's been laying there for four days. They're having the, the funeral, and they're having the mourning process, and all of these things that are taking place. And finally, news comes that Jesus is on his way. He's on the road. It, 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 I don't know how far off he was. He could have been in, plain, in, in viewing sight. It could have been further than that. But Martha, being Martha, left the house and ran towards him. Now, if you know anything about Martha in Scripture, you know Martha was a go-getter. You know Martha was one that was, was busy about doing things. In fact, when Martha and Mary invited Jesus and his disciples to the, to the house, it was, the one that was, it was Martha that was the one that was going about, that was busy with all the work and, and taking care of the guests because that was just her personality, just to go and to do and to take action. So when she hears that Jesus is on, Jesus is on his way, what does she do? Out the door and goes to meet him. She doesn't wait for him to arrive. She runs out to meet him. Now, that's not the confusing thing. The confusing thing, rather, is found in the latter part of verse number 20. But it says, but Mary sat still, still in the house. Listen, we know Martha was a go-getter. We know Martha was a doer. We know Martha was one that went and took care of things. But what do we know about Mary? Mary was normally found at the feet of Jesus. Mary was one that was normally always, when Jesus was around, wanting to be in his presence. They both got the news that Jesus was coming and on his way. But it was only Martha that ran out to be in his presence. Mary stayed back and, and, and held down the fort at the house and sat still in the house, the Bible says. 
See, this moment of intense grief and pain caused Mary to choose to stay in the house instead of going to meet Jesus and be in his presence. And I believe this reveals a very valuable truth for our consideration today. And that is this, that even the strongest believers struggle at times when faced with a devastating situation. Mary was the one that always wanted to be in the Lord's presence. She had great faith in him. She believed him to be the Christ. And anytime he was around, she wanted to be right there with him. But in this great time of despair and grief, she didn't turn to him and run to him. She stayed away. Can I say even the strongest of faiths have some tough times every once in a while? Now, let me tell you this. This does not imply that Mary had given up on her faith. This does not imply that she had abandoned faith in the Lord, but it does appear that she had resigned herself to defeat, that death was the final thing, that Lazarus was gone. You say, Preacher, what are you trying to say here this morning? All I'm trying to say is that if Mary, the one who sat at Jesus' feet, had a time where she didn't run to him, let's not beat ourselves up when we find ourselves in the same situation. Now, by all means, I believe we ought to run to Jesus. He's the only true answer. But if Mary could have this time of struggle, then so can we as well. But my friends, we also find, we're going to come back to that in just a moment, but there's a great truth to be found that even when we are at our our worst faith-wise, Jesus still longs for us. We'll see that in a moment. Notice, secondly, so we've seen, number one, the ruin experienced. Number two, notice the reply engaged in verses 21 through 24. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And notice her response in verse 24. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Here we discover this conversation that takes place between Martha and Jesus as he made his way into Bethany on the road that day. And we're first confronted with a complaint by Martha in this reply. Verse number 21 tells us that Martha said unto the Lord Jesus Christ, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, we say, that's pretty bold. That's pretty straightforward when you're talking to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't think Martha necessarily came uh, and intended any disrespect as she spoke to him, but her frustration and her disappointment is clearly seen as she speaks to the Lord. She declared unto Jesus that Lazarus would have surely stayed alive and would not have died if Jesus would have just made it to Bethany sooner. And while we do see her faith in the Lord, knowing that he was more than able to provide, we also see her despair that she's experiencing it as well. She was hurting from a physical loss, and it also seems apparent that she was suffering emotionally as well. 
And so she comes unto the Lord and she has, if you may, a complaint. But even in the midst of her complaint, notice her confidence as well in verse number 22 and verse number 24. 22 says, but I know that even now whatsoever that will ask of God, God will give it thee. And she starts out in verse number 24. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again. Even though she didn't see it, even though she couldn't comprehend it, even though she couldn't put it into words, even though she was kind of frustrated that it didn't work out in her timetable and in her plan, she said, hey, you know what? My faith's been shaken a little bit and I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what you're going to do. I still believe, though, that you can. Even in her confusion, even in her complaint, she was still confident that the Lord was able. And my friends, we're going to face times in our lives where we question, and we're going to face times in our lives where we just don't understand, and we're going to face times in our lives and we look at what we can see physically right in front of us and say, what in the world is going on? Why? Why? But even in the midst of that, may we still have confidence that our God is in control and that He is working all things get together for good to them that love Him to them that are, they are the called according to his purpose, as Romans 8.28 says. My friends, I don't want, necessarily want to be the bearer of bad news for you this morning, but we must realize that difficult seasons will be a part of our life so long as we're alive. The reason for that is because we live in a sin-cursed world. And as sin-cursed individuals, we are going to do wrong and others are going to wrong us. And that is just the curse of sin. And so long as we live and breathe here in this world, there will be seasons of trials. There will be seasons of pain. There will be times when, in our life when it seems that maybe the Lord had failed to respond to our prayers, that we will face grief and sorrow, that we will stand at the crossroads of our life, if you may. We'll stand at those crossroads of our life and unsure of what direction that we ought to take. There are struggles that accompany life, and we all have to endure them. However, my friends, we must be like Martha and remain confident even in the Lord, even when we face these great difficulties. Here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 121 and verses 1 and 2, that while he's facing trials and tribulations, he said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The psalmist did not say that I'm going to lift up mine eyes unto the hills. The, 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 my, my help cometh from, the, from, from, my, uh, from my bank account. When we have financial difficulties and situations, we begin to wander and, and fret. But the psalmist didn't say, I find comfort and help from my finances. The psalmist didn't say that, hey, when I'm facing a situation, I'm going to lift up my eyes unto my career and my job security. Because that's where comes my help. That's just simply not the case. There's nothing physical in this world in which we can truly put our eyes on and say, that's going to help me because all these things will pass away. But the word of God and his, and his purpose and will will never pass away, my friends. And so therefore, the psalmist said, it is to the Lord that I lift up my eyes because it's from the Lord that my help comes. And notice the confirmation given in verse number 23. And Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Jesus assured Martha that there was nothing to fear because Lazarus would rise again. 
They hadn't even yet made it to the tomb. They weren't standing there at his graveside yet. And yes, Martha surely would have assumed that Jesus was referring, was referring to a future resurrection, the resurrection in the end. In fact, she says that. But there must have been still some comfort in these words. Martha believed that her brother was a believer. Martha believed that, that he would one day live again and he would live in the presence of his Lord and Savior. And the fact that Jesus said he would rise again had to have at least brought some comfort in that fact. But we understand this morning, my friends, that Jesus wasn't just merely speaking about a resurrection that would one day come. He was speaking about a resurrection that was going to take place that very same day physically for Lazarus. Now, my friends, I'm here to tell you something. If the Lord says it, mark it down, it's going to become true. There is not a promise that God would break because God cannot lie. Amen. Scripture is clear. He cannot lie. Let every man, let, let God be true and every man else a liar, but God can not lie. He cannot lie. And so if he promises it, it's going to come true. And all we've got to do is open up the word of God. And we find promise after promise after promise that has come true or will come true because God has said it. That confirmation that it came under the authority of Jesus is something that ought to bring assurance to our lives. Let me share with you lastly this morning before we close. We've seen the ruin experienced. We've seen the reply engaged. But notice thirdly, the resurrection expected in verses 25 through 27. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. In these closing verse, verses that we've just read, we discover the hope that is promised through Jesus' power and through his resurrection. And we can have this expectation of the, uh, of the resurrection. Why? Well, first off, we can have that expectation, expectation of the resurrection because of Jesus' preeminence. Notice the first part of verse number 25. He said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. My friends, death had entered into the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Despair and despondency had entered into the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And although death had come into the home, Jesus revealed that there still was abounding hope. Even though there were circumstances that seemed as if death was final and that there should be great despair, both, uh, Martha stood there in the presence of the one who had power over death, hell, and the grave and was able to bring life again. Death was strong, but it sure wasn't stronger than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And she had a focus, a focus on an event that had transpired, that was earthly, that was physical, if you may. And then when speaking with Jesus, she then focused on an event that was futuristic, that was still to come when she thought about the resurrection. But Jesus revealed to her that he was and is the resurrection. See, she didn't have to wait until then. There was going to be life now. My friends, I know we're speaking in this word of God about a physical death and a physical resurrection that would occur for this brother and Lazarus, but I'm here to tell you, my friends, this morning that the Bible makes it clear for every single human being today. Ye hath he quickened who were dead 
in your trespasses and sins, the book of Ephesians tells us. That, the fact that we were dead, our spirit, our soul was dead in our, in our trespasses and our sins, it means this simply this morning, that if we were to die in our sinful state physically, then we would experience that second death, that death for all of eternity in a place called the lake of fire. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly, that we might be able to believe in him and trust him as our personal savior. And at this very moment right now, we might be made alive. Remember that verse in Ephesians? Ye hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. The word quickened means to be made alive. And what is he saying there is that he, when we accepted him as our savior, he saved us, he regenerated or renewed our soul, and he gave us brand new life. He didn't just come along and patch up our old one. That's what we try to do with a lot of stuff in our lives, don't we? We have something that breaks in our house. Instead of having to spend the money to buy a new one, we try to jerry-rig something or tinker with it and, and put it duct tape. That fixes everything, right? But it doesn't work like it ought to half the time because it's not as strong. It is, my friends, Jesus didn't come and duct tape up our life. He came and gave us brand new life when we accept Him as our Savior. Hey, Mary was thinking about a future resurrection where he would, Lazarus would live forever in eternity with, with Jesus once again. But Jesus was talking about a right now resurrection, a right now life that Lazarus was going to be able to enjoy right now. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That means this this morning, my friends, that yes, we will one day experience an eternity in heaven if we know him as our Savior, but we have the ability to have a life and a life that is more abundant right here and right now. Amen. Jesus is the source of joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Jesus is the source of our peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus brings us a happiness that cannot be found anywhere else, my friends. And that can be experienced right now. And although I've never seen heaven, although I've never experienced its streets of gold, although I've never seen my mansion that he's gone on to prepare yet, I live as one as if I already live there. Because my name's already written down in glory. I'm a citizen of heaven because Jesus has saved me. Because he's the resurrection and the life. He is, not will be. But he is. Notice his promise here. Verse number 25 through 26. After he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, he said, He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus offered a great promise while challenging Martha to believe. He said this, that those who believe in Christ may die, but death will not be their end for they will live again. In fact, what he actually is saying here is that those who believe in Christ will never truly die. They will just merely change places of residence. Paul put it this way, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But notice, we see this expected resurrection. This resurrection that is expected is all possible because of the preeminence of Jesus. It's, like, it's possible because of the promise of Jesus. But Martha and Mary and Lazarus and whosoever will can experience it based off of our profession in the one who provides it. Notice Martha's profession here in verse number 27. Jesus asked her, do you believe this? In verse number 27, she said, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, 
the Son of God, which should come into the world. See, my friends, there's a lot of things in this world that people try to put their faith in or trust in to be able to hopefully accomplish enough good to get them to heaven. But we can never do anything on our own to get to heaven. Jesus did not ask Mary, I'm sorry, did not ask Martha if she believed that in her good works to get to heaven. He did not ask Martha if, he, if she believed in some sacraments to get to heaven. She, he, he did not ask Martha if she believed in some, uh, some church figure to get her to heaven and to have etern- this eternal life. He said, if anyone believes in me, they shall have life. Do you believe this, Martha? And Martha said, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into this world. See, Martha was going to experience that resurrection, not because of anything that she had earned, but because she professed the one who had earned it for her. She professed the one who would pay the way for her to have life everlasting. My question this morning for you is this, have you trusted Christ as your personal Savior? Before I close, I want you to jump down to the very next verse. We haven't read it yet, but verse number 28. Martha has ran off down the road to meet Jesus. She has this conversation with him and says, hey, uh, if you would have just been here, uh, my brother would have still been alive. And, and uh, Jesus says, listen, your brother's going to live. And she says, I believe he's going to live uh, in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said, no, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live again. And uh, he says, do you believe this, Martha? She says, I do believe that you are the Christ, the son of the living God who has come into this world. And look at verse number 28. And when she had said so, oh, so said, what she so said, she so said that she believed. She so said that she believed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the God, of living God. Notice what she says. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. Having spoken with Jesus, Martha runs back to the home, finds her sister, Mary, pulls her off to the side privately and tells her that Jesus had come to the house and was requesting for her to be in his presence. This is a physical setting. This literally happened where Jesus came into the house and Jesus came into their presence and Martha said, Mary, Jesus wants you to come be near him. But although this is physical and setting, it also has a spiritual application because this is the fact of the matter. The resurrection and the life has come. Jesus came to this world, our dwelling place. He took upon himself and robed himself in the flesh of humanity. He was willing to go through the shame and the mockery and all the pain that he experienced as he was beaten and he was crucified. They drove those nails into his hands and into his feet. They drove that crown of thorns down upon his head. They mocked him and spat upon him. They, 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 they gambled for his robe at the foot of the cross. They put a sign above the cross that said, Hail the king of the Jews, because they were mocking the fact that he said he was the king. And they just they despised him. Even one of the thieves said, if you really are the son of God, why don't you save yourself and us? And Jesus came and experienced all of that for you. And now today he says, come. He says, come to me. He says, come unto me. He says, I want to know you. I want you to be my, I want you to be my child, and I want to be your savior. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that as Jesus said these words, I am the resurrection and the life, the resurrection and the life. He came in human flesh, 100% God, at the same time, 100% man, and died for you. 
Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth this morning? He loves you. When I say he loves you, put your name right there. You. He loves you. You say, how could God love me? He loves you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you. You say, people have told me they love me before and they've stabbed me in the back. People have told me they love me before and it didn't work out right. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus loves you. Loves you. Just like I said earlier, he can't lie. Anything he says is true. And he truly does love you. And just as he said to Martha, your brother's going to rise again. And he came to the house and Martha went away and Martha said, Mary, I know you're normally in his presence. I know you normally are the one that are just basking in his glory. But this has overwhelmed you to the point where your faith is a little shaken right now. Jesus has come to be with us, and he wants you close to him. A lot of people say, you reject me, I'm going to reject you. You're upset with me, I'm upset with you, then not the case with Jesus. Even when Mary was a little shaken in her faith, Jesus said, come to me. I want to be with you. Jesus came to this earth and died for you because he wants you with him for all eternity in heaven one day. Do you believe this? Do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that whoever would believe in him would live for all of eternity? Martha said, I do believe this. See, it was her profession in the one who provided salvation that guaranteed her a place in heaven. And the same goes for us today. Romans 10, 13 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe this? Would you stand to your feet with me, please, with her heads bowed and her eyes closed this morning? I'm going to ask a few questions before we have this time of invitation and dismiss, but the first question is just simple. It's this. It's how many here would say, Pastor, I know for sure I'm saved. I know that heaven is my home. I've trusted Christ as my personal Savior, and if I died today, I know I'd stand before Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. Could I rejoice with you? Just slip your hand up and write back down as a simple testimony. I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know that Jesus is my Savior. I praise God for being in the presence of other believers today. Thank you for sharing that with me today. But I wonder if, in my second question, is if there would be anyone here that would be so simply honest enough to say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Now listen, I can't, I can't do anything about that. As I've already said, it's Jesus that has paid that way. It's Jesus who gave himself for us. He's the one that is the resurrection and the life. That's why he asked Martha if she believed on him, and she said, yes, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. But what I can do for you today is pray for you. I can pray that the Lord would reveal himself to you, that he'd give you the faith to trust him, and that you would take the time to trust him as your personal Savior today. Is there anyone here that would just give me the opportunity to just simply pray for you today and be honest enough to say, Pastor, I am not sure that I'm saved. No one looking around, please, for the respect of others and their privacy. But you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved today. Please pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up and write back down? I see one hand. Anybody else? Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Just pray for me, please, Pastor. I'm not sure that I know that Christ is my Savior, heaven is my home. Then one last question. How many here would say, Pastor, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. Also, Pastor, I know I'm going to experience some 
difficult times in my life. I'm going to face tragedy. I'm going to face trials. And pastor, would you pray with me that when those trials come and the heartache is, is evident and the, and the despair is overwhelming, that I'd remember that Jesus is there for me. It might seem, there might be times where I feel like he's forgotten me, but he's always on time. He's never late. And pastor, just pray with me that I would remember that God is for me and that he's with me during those tough times. Could I pray with you this morning? Just slip your hand up and right back down. Hands all across the auditorium. I'm praying for you today. I'd encourage you to just give your heart to the Lord today as well and say, Lord, here's the deal. I know that I'm facing trials. I know I will face trials. Lord, please help me. Help me to trust you in the midst of those. I'm going to pray. The piano is going to begin to play. And if the Lord spoke into your heart, if you'd like to come and you're able to kneel at the altar, I'd encourage you to come this morning for that. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, whether you raised your hand or you didn't, if you would just come to the front, get my attention. I'd have someone show you from God's word how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. If you can't slip out, if you'll just get my attention as we leave today and say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Could I talk to you or could I talk to someone about that? And they could show me from God's word how I could know. I'd love for that opportunity today. But I'm going to pray and the piano is going to begin to play. Our Father, we